Well, good morning, West Franklin. It's good to see you. Of course, always wonderful hearing you sing praises to the Lord. Let's continue worshiping by taking our copy of the scriptures and turning with me to the last chapter of the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 28. In just a moment, I'm going to read the last two chapter, last two verses of this remarkable book, Acts 28, the last two verses. I'll give you a second to find it there. Uh, by way of reminder, next week, uh, May 28th, Memorial Day weekend, we are having one service only at 1030. And so just uh, if you usually come to the 1030, you don't have to worry about it. But just just FYI for you, uh, one service. We're between um, series, sermon series. And so probably I'm preaching out of Mark 5, but I'm not sure. Uh, we all... Uh, campus pastors get freedom, so pack a lunch next week, and uh, we'll see. But no, next next Sunday, it's always good when we're able to come all together in, in one room, and so I'm looking, looking forward to that. When we last left off last week, we've been going through the book of Acts, and we're making a huge 11-chapter jump to the very end today. It's just kind of way that everything fell. But we last left off at the end of chapter 16, and now we're going all the way to chapter 28. Now, you need to know there's a lot of action-packed, incredible Holy Spirit-type stuff happening in those chapters, which I strongly encourage you and urge you to read when you have time. But let me give you a 30,000-foot view, very briefly, of what's taken place over the last 11 chapters. Paul and his crew have taken several, take several missionary journeys all around the known world to share the gospel. When able, they stop by other churches that they've started to encourage them and to help them along and to see what, what any needs they have. Every time, usually, Paul opens his mouth, he gets in trouble with the police and ends up in jail. But because he's a Roman citizen, he has special privileges and he usually works his way out of it and he continues to proclaim the gospel. By the time we get to chapter 28, Paul is in Rome and he is appealing to the authorities to please give him an audience with Caesar. He's there in Rome. He's there for several years. He's under house arrest, if you will. Again, because he's a Roman citizen, he has special privileges. But he is waiting to see Caesar when we get to the end of chapter 28. And hopefully you are there. And now let's read together verses 30 and 31. If you'd stand with me in honor of God's word, let's read these two verses together. And see how God, the Holy Spirit, Luke, wants us to finish this incredible book. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. We want to see you. We want to see what you're doing right in front of our faces. We don't want to miss it. So help us see here so that we can joyfully participate with you in what you're doing in the world. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. This past Monday, I found myself at a red light in Cool Springs. And if you're ever at a red light in Cool Springs, you know you better not be in a hurry because you're going to be there several days. Uh, depending on what red light, you may be there several weeks. But I was at this particular red light in Cool Springs, and I noticed this yard sign. You know, there's these yard signs that people make. There's one in my yard now telling everybody that drives by that I've got a graduate in my house, basically saying, telling everybody how old I am. 
And I saw this yard sign there at the corner of this, uh, this red light where, where I was. And, and I noticed it caught my eye because it said, come join us to pray for revival. I was like, okay, all about that. All about some prayer for revival. I can get, get behind that. But since I was in Cool Springs, I had time to read the entire sign several times. And I noticed... With a little bit of digging, to be, and, and a lot of assuming, I'll be honest, there was kind of a hidden agenda. Because, see, as I kept reading the sign, it said, pray for revival, join us at Harlingsdale Farms over the next several specific dates and times, over the next two weeks. And the sign, God love them, was in red, white, and blue stripes. Now, you, you may or may not know this. I'm assuming you do, but there's an agenda here. I've been around the block enough to know this was not a call to prayer for God's spirit to move. The Pride Festival is going to be in Harlingsdale Farms a week from ye- two weeks from yesterday. And it just so happened these people were calling for prayer at Harlingsdale Farms during these hours. If you do a little digging... And if you've been around the block, you know this was not a call to prayer for a revival. This was disguised prayer for a revival. And they were disguising, let's get together for a rally. Let's take our city back for God. Let's get together and make sure we don't give our city over to the pagans. Let's get together and march, or let's, let's pray, but let's pray in the spirit of making sure gays don't take over Franklin. If we're not careful, if we don't hurry up and do something, we're going to lose Franklin to Satan, the demons, and the Democrats. I'm all about praying for a revival. But a red, white, and blue with specific times and places. The pressure's on us, Christian. Let's get together. We better do something. Or we're going we're gonna to lose out to those people, them liberals. When you read the book of Acts, do you feel that kind of pressure? Better get with it. You better do something. You're going to lose. You're going to lose your city. You got to take it back for God. When you read Acts, do you feel that? When you read the Gospels, do you feel Jesus giving you that kind of pressure? Is God in heaven sitting in a, a wooden chair with his hands tied behind his back and duct tape over his mouth, panicked that if you don't do something, it's all just going to go to pot? Is God in control? Really? What if he's still reigning in the world? What if he would reign whether you existed or not? 
What if God allows something and prevents other things? Because he's not so much worried about you taking the city back for God, but he's doing something right under your nose that you're missing because you're concerned about something else. What if, I dare say it, the gospel will go more rampant in a more wicked society than a more Christian society. Missiologists tell us that where the gospel's exploding around the world right now is where the gospel's illegal. Hmm. Poor Paul wanted to appeal to Caesar. Just wanted to see, wanted to, wanted to, wanted to have an audience with the, with the most influential, most powerful man of the known world. Probably one of the reasons, because he thought, and from his perspective, that if he could share the gospel with, with Caesar, and if Caesar embraced the gospel, then all of Rome would be reached. That was his perspective of what should happen. And oftentimes we do the same thing. Maybe if this person receives the gospel, then can you imagine the influence? But spoiler alert, Paul never made it to Caesar. He got killed in jail. Sorry. From Paul's perspective, is I got to get to Rome so I can, I, can, I can appeal to Caesar. But that never happened. Let me ask you, is Christianity still going? Thank you. What? He didn't make it. He didn't take Rome back for God, and yet Christianity still spread. Maybe God has different ways. Maybe God uses different means. Scholars tell us that Luke's word, very last word in his book, is a very weak word. It's unlukin, very unlike Luke. If you've paid attention to the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke, he is a brilliant storyteller. Pays attention to literature. You just read Luke and you're like, oh, this is so good. But he ends Luke and Acts with this redneck word, super unlike Luke. It's hard to translate in the English. In the Greek, you're just like, what? If you do translate it in, the, in, in, in English, it's like unhinderedly. That's, that's how you translate it, unhinderedly. It's kind of like, Luke, did you have a spell? Because you've been writing so much brilliant literature and you're closing the entire thing with this podunk word, unhinderedly. You know why? He intentionally, led by the Spirit, uses that word so we'll trip over it. He's got an agenda. He wants us to pause and say, why did you... He's letting us know something. This is how Acts ends, but the church continues. Christianity and the gospel will not be stopped. It is unhindered. It cannot be blocked. West Franklin, this is God's story, not ours. He's the one working. The, the book of Acts, the heading says Acts of the Apostles. That is incorrect. It's acts of the Holy Spirit. We just get in on it. The book of Acts is not what we go do. <laughs> not we go. <laughs> I talk for a living. What do y'all do? 
the book of Acts is not about what we go and do for God. The book of Acts is what God is already doing and is going to do. And he invites us to join him and be witnesses to others around us as to what he's already doing. Unhinderedly. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Luke, whoever wrote this. You read through the book of Acts. You use that word unhinderedly. You see that every time it seems like the gospel is going to be stopped, it's unhindered. There's no reason. There is no reason for us to have the gospel today. No logical reason. If you think the leaders of our nation are wicked now, they look like Mother Teresa compared to the first century leaders. I really mean that. That's not an over-exaggeration. We have saints compared to the leaders of the early, uh, in the first century world. There is no logical reason that the gospel should, should spread. They were killing Christians, arresting Christians. The gospel should have stopped, but it didn't. Why? Because you cannot hinder what God is doing. You can't do it. It's not up to us. It's up to God. We simply have eyes to see, to notice what God is doing and bear witness to what he's doing to those around us. The gospel spreads through faithful witnesses who welcome people into their lives, point others to the kingdom and the reign of God and help them understand who Jesus is. West Franklin, the gospel does not need a big stage. The gospel does not need the president to, to get saved, although that would be wonderful. The gospel does not need that. The gospel doesn't need some celebrity. I, I mean, the gospel does not need uh, Taylor Swift to get born again. Oh my gosh, if Taylor Swift was sad, can you imagine how many Swifties would be sad? They'd hear the gospel. I would love if Taylor Swift would be, would, would be sad, but just that's, 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 could God save Taylor Swift? I remember when I was in junior high, someone said, you know, if Michael Jordan got saved, that would be fantastic. I was like, yeah, that would be so amazing. If Michael, if Michael Jordan got saved, so many people would get saved. He's got this huge platform. Could God save Michael Jordan? This is the audience participation part of our program. Could God save Michael Jordan? Yes. Now, Michael Jordan has a responsibility for his actions. I get that. But the point is, maybe God chooses other means. Maybe we North Americans tend to want to tell Jesus how efficient it could be if such and such got saved. And maybe he sent some average almost nobody looking person right under your nose that he just simply wants you to open your mouth to her. Read these verses with me one more time. Or not one more time, maybe two more times, but let's read it again. How does Luke want us to close this book? Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. So he's there two years. Again, sort of like house arrest. He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Maybe instead of us trying to win Franklin back for God, we help those that God brings into our life, help them understand who God is. 
Maybe that's, maybe that's what God is asking us to do. See, I don't believe these verses are just descriptive. I believe Luke is being very instructive here as well. He's not just describing what happened. He's intentional here, wanting us to know this is how it's going to go from here. Let's look at the verses one more time. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house. Paul's there for just a second. A lot of scholars believe that God had to finally settle him down so he would sit down and write letters. If he hadn't finally stopped, he would have not written letters and we wouldn't have half the New Testament. We know he spent time writing letters. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and what did he do? He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. There's three parts to this. Here's Luke saying, here's, here's how it's going to continue to go. Hospitality, kingdom of God, Jesus. Hospitality, kingdom of God, Jesus. Welcome people God brings into your life. Help them understand the reign of God and his rule over all the universe, which is a wonderful thing and help them understand that the God who loves them has demonstrated it by sending Jesus to die in their place. That's how the, that's how the gospel is going to go forth. Paul didn't make it to Caesar and yet the gospel spread. He may never save the president. He never promised he would. But he's given us a way to see Franklin reached by paying attention to the person God has brought into your life. What city was Paul in when he wrote this? Or when, at the end of the book of Acts? Rome. Was there a church that started in Rome? Yes. And Paul later wrote a letter to the church in Rome called the letter to the? Wow. Man, the nine o'clock crowd, they were kind of, oh. Church started in Rome. Paul wrote a letter called the Romans. I encourage you to read it sometime. Good for your soul. But I especially, this afternoon perhaps, read chapter 16, the very last chapter of the book of Romans. Paul had a scribe writing for him. And if I was this scribe, by the time I get to chapter 16, I'd be mad. Because Paul lists name after name after name after name. And if I was described, I'd be like, can we just say, Paul, can we just say, say hey to everybody? Because he's just tripping over himself, remembering names. There are no less than 35 names Paul identifies in Romans 16. Say, say hey to such and such. Make sure such and such is greeted. Make sure such and such knows that I'm praying for them. Tell their mama hi for me. Tell such and such thank you for their hospitality when I was there. And you're just reading a long chapter with 35 names. Look at them. Look at them on the screen there. Those are all the names he lists in Romans 16. I would read them to you, but I can't pronounce half of them. If I was Narcissus's mom, I'd be mad. I mean, son, I'd be, or whatever I'm trying to say, I'd be mad if I, my mama named me that. Come on, Narcissus, really, anything? I mean, I'm just going to be tagged. Or Rufus, don't you like that one, Rufus? Sounds like a dog. But don't you look at that. No, no names, no, 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 no big time. Average, ordinary No influencers that we know of. Most 
many, if not most, if not all of these names were welcomed by Paul while he was in Rome. At least some. He never made it to Caesar. But God brought people into his life and they took it home and Christianity spread. Maybe we're trying to get out of a job or maybe we're trying to stop participating with God because we think if we just get the right person elected then everything will be fine we're not told that's how it works church Christianity will spread in Franklin if you'll pay attention to what the spirit's doing with you and the person right in front of you so let me ask you speaking of names What do you know more about? Who do you know more about? Joe Biden? Probably a person you will never meet? Or your neighbor down the street? Do you know their name? Who do you know more about? Vladimir Putin? Zelensky? Or the Hindu that lives in your cul-de-sac? There's nothing wrong with knowing facts about Joe Biden. There's nothing wrong with knowing facts about Vladimir Putin and Zelensky. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is that we spend so much energy knowing these things and we have no idea who the person is two houses down from us. Their name. And we think maybe if we just get a little more news, maybe we'll be able to affect the nation with Christianity. When God is just saying, I brought people in your life, tell them about me. I wonder if we had a ledger, how many names we could name of Franklin City Council and aldermen versus how many first names of the six seniors we have this year graduating from high school. We certainly want to rob our teenagers from the culture, but we don't want to know their name. too busy trying to figure out when Jesus is going to come back and fix all this mess instead of pouring our lives into the next generation. How is it going to happen, Paul? How is it going to happen, Luke? How has the Holy Spirit ordained Christianity to spread across our city, our neighborhoods, our family? Pay attention to what Jesus is doing at the people that he brings you. And bear witness to the fact that God loves them, God made them, God rules over them, and he has demonstrated his deep love by how he sent Jesus on their behalf. It's not something you and I go, get, go have to do. It's something we come awake to what he's already doing. You, you and I may never get to Caesar. God never said that's how it happens. So, 
the gospel. We can't give what we don't have. Has the gospel affected you? Not just when you were eight, prayed the prayer, got dunked. Does, do you swim around in the gospel? It's not something you get over. It's something you see. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm going to ask the, the gentleman. We're going, to, we're going to close this series, Observing the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to ask the men if they'd go ahead and get ready and go, go to the tables. I'll release you in just a second. <laughs> but there is no human being on planet earth that you will not see that doesn't need the gospel. Everybody you lay eyes on, yourself included, even when you look in the mirror, we're chasing something, we're pursuing something, we're longing for something. And I believe, and I believe you believe, the gospel is the only answer for that. The gospel has the answer for what people are looking for, what I'm looking for, you're looking for, and all those we come into contact with. The gospel answers that. This past week, one of my heroes of the faith went to be with Jesus. I'm sure you've probably heard of him. He was a pastor in New York City for a long, long time. His name was Tim Keller. One of my all-time favorite authors. Anything he wrote, I commend to you. He wrote a book called King's Cross on the book of Mark. It's called something else now. But it's probably within my all-time top three favorite books. He helped me understand the gospel. He helped me understand the Bible and how the gospel's all connected. He, he lost his battle with cancer this week. But I thought I'd pay tribute to him and get us ready for this table by quoting his understanding of the gospel. This is Tim Keller. To be loved but not known is superficial. To be known but not loved is our nightmare. Only Jesus knows us to the bottom. And loves us to the sky. The gospel says you are simultaneously more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. Yet more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope. I don't know a human on this planet that doesn't long for that. To know that they can be fully known all the parts. And yet fully loved. You say, well, what about this junk full of rebellion and sin? That's why Jesus came. We're free. You're forgiven. And so is your neighbor. We are fully known and fully loved. I'm going to pray. These men are going to come around with the elements. I mean, encourage you to hang on to it until we all have it. We'll partake of the elements together. But while they pass the plates, would you meditate on the gospel and what it means for you and ask God to open the eyes of your heart to pay attention to the people he's bringing in your life that you get to point to about who Jesus is. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. May we be found faithful. And may we trust that the gospel is going to continue unhinderedly.